hello, and welcome back to Blush You, the podcast where you tell us your juiciest stories and we get to dish on them. My name is Callie, and I am here with my beautiful little redheaded co-host, Elise. Hello. Uh, How are we? We're good. I must start out this podcast by saying I am so proud of you for sticking to your red hair for this long. You know what? Me too. You know how many times red hair... I actually had a client who like inspired me to dye my hair red and she dyed her hair red. And she was like, listen, I'm just telling you the upkeep is so difficult because your roots grow out and then it looks like shit. Like my roots grew out blonde, like dirty blonde. So it was like a good blend, but this is, I'm getting it redone tomorrow. Cause I have a wedding to go to next weekend. But after that, I'm like going back natural. I cannot can you just hold on to it for Christmas? Cause it's so festive. Yeah. 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 So I'm getting it done tomorrow and then I'll, I'll let it grow out. And then when it starts to look bad, I'm just going to tell her to dye it like all my natural color. And then we're going to be a dirty blonde for a little bit. Nice. Come join the ranks. I yeah. am Rapunzel right now because I'm on all these amazing supplements for fertility. And apparently they aren't really helping my eggs, but they are helping my <laughs> hair. So did not quite understand the assignment. But at least there is a silver lining. My hair is fucking long. It looks beautiful. It, yeah, well, it fucking better because <laughs> I'm on so many supplements. It's so expensive, healthy hair. Oh my gosh, I know. I'm like deleting all my subscriptions. I'm like, fuck this, fuck that. My hair's like, no. <laughs> Please keep taking them. I'm like, I can't afford for my hair to grow out that much. I literally was just about to ask, like, how much money do you think you spend on supplements? Because mine's like disgusting. I don't know. You were like, you probably, you told me that I probably take $300 worth of supplements per day. And I had a very visceral reaction to that and did not (laughs) like it because then I sat there and like mentally calculated how much all this bullshit costs. And I was like, oh, unsubscribe. Yeah. Don't like any of this. So I, I don't know what I'm going to do from here on out. I'm kind of like, can I just like go back to the Kirkland brand of shit? (laughs) I just, I'm having such a hard time believing that the nicer stuff is that much nicer than just the basic, like, you know what I mean? Again, back to the 80, 20 rule. It's like, really, do we really have to have like the top, top, top notch to get the right results? Or can't you just get like, Yeah. I just know. I just know people cut costs on like preservatives and fillers and stuff that aren't. So I think it's like, I mean, I think if you have a balance of like, you know, the ones that are maybe more generic, like vitamin C and like things like that, I think those are fine. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of like reputable companies, but it's just, I don't feel any better. I don't look any different other than my fucking hair is down to my butthole. It costs money when you have highlights. Like I can't, I literally cannot afford for my hair to keep growing at this rate. Like I'm going to have to go back to Damien and be like, fix me. And he's going to be like, bitch, you were just here. Like, no, thank you. Yeah. So that's the only difference that I've noticed. Like, I guess my nails say thank you, but like "Mm, my hair and my nails were fine. (laughs) I love it. I feel the same. Okay. Let's go into sparkle time. Who should you go first? <laughs> I was like, is she going to take, I'm one? excited for yours. Cause I don't know what you're going to say. 
Yeah. So I had a breakthrough with a client for myself, which is very selfish. I hope that it was a breakthrough for her as well, but essentially, you know, so much of coaching revolves around learning how to not care what people think, meaning like steering your own ship, not being guided by others' opinions, really learning to hear your own voice. Mm -hmm. And how many times do you hear the phrase, I don't care what other people think, or I'm learning not to care what other people think? All the time. It dawned on me that other people don't think about us. (laughs) Like, I think we have the premise wrong because I was thinking about it and, and okay. So I was Taylor Swift's top 99 0.5% listener. Like literally it was like, you were in the top 0.5% of Taylor Swift fans. I was like, Ooh, don't know how to feel about that. I mean, I, you know, I love me some Taylor Swift, but I was like, wow, that is a lot of listening. I do work from home. I don't have clients as much. I'm doing a lot of work that doesn't involve like, you know, I can listen to music. So that is a difference. But anyway, point is if I am that big of a Taylor Swift super fan, you would think that I'd be thinking about her a lot, right? Cause she's famous and you know about her life and you know about things. And so if we're talking about the biggest version of this and that other people think about you all the time is that I should be thinking about Taylor Swift all the time because I listen to her music all the time. And apparently I'm the biggest fan to ever live. And I don't, I never fucking think about Taylor Swift. Like, I know I went on a rampage about her, like what last week, two weeks ago, whatever. And because her new album came out, but like, I'm talking about her music. I don't, I, I don't think about her, <laughs> like her personality or her love life. Like I could give a shit documentary was good, but I thought about it for an hour and a half and then turned it off. And I didn't think about it ever again. <laughs> unless Someone asked me about it. So it like dawned on me. Other people literally aren't thinking about us. There is nothing to overcome. I think, I think saying I'm learning not to care what other people think implies to me that other people are actively thinking negative things about us. Yeah. That is a lot to overcome. And also if everyone is thinking negative thoughts about you, maybe you need to self-reflect. Yeah. I don't think that's a good thing. Like maybe that means you are doing something wrong. If seriously, everyone around you is thinking you're a bitch. Well, you're probably a bitch and need to work on that. But most likely no one's thinking about you. Mm -hmm. The only people who are probably thinking about you are like coworkers you see every single day or, you know, five days a week, whatever. Best friends that you talk to all the time and family members Mm -hmm. or like, and like spouses, like that, and maybe pets, like that's it. I mean, the amount of people who actually think about you on a daily basis has got to be a very small number. It's not because you're not special. Taylor Swift might be one of the most special people on the face of this earth. And I don't think about her ever. Mm-hmm. So it just goes to show, I think we're, I think that phrase has been bothering me for so long. Cause that's like, how do I just ignore the fact, the fact that people are thinking bad things about me? And the answer is you don't, because they're not, you have right. to overcome the fact that no one's thinking about you at all and get over yourself and put your ego to sleep because we're all special, but we're all like not enough for people to be like, I'm going to disengage from thinking about my problems to think about her problems. Like that's not reality. That's the thing. It's like so many people have so much shit going on all the time that it's like, you would have to actively put pause on your own life to be engaging in thinking so deeply about someone else's life. So why do we do like, why is that a thing? Is it because we're like egocentric is like, 
don't know. That's what I always tell my clients. I'm like, well, do you think about these people a lot? And they're like, no. I'm like, okay, then why do you think they're thinking about you? Yeah. It's called, I remember in grad school, it was called invisible spotlight syndrome. And it was like very much associated with teenagers. They're like walk around thinking there's like a spotlight on them 24 seven. I personally don't think that's that associated with teenagers. I feel like a lot of teenagers feel like they're not being noticed. And instead it's on us in the quarter life crisis and with careers and families and even fertility, you know, everyone being like, Oh my gosh, just, you know, are they thinking about the fact that we don't have a baby yet? It's like, no, I don't think anyone's thinking that. Like I, I think, genuinely, I don't think anything, anyone's thinking that. I think, I think it probably stems from like thoughts and feelings that you might have about yourself. Right. Absolutely. And, that you, and that you project that onto other people. Right. Because it's yes. like, I know when I have a huge ass fucking pimple on my face, I'm walking into a room, like everybody sees this pimple on my face. And it's like, actually no one probably does because no one gives a shit about it. And the if they do, they're not thinking about it. Yeah. They don't care. So yeah, that, and that was the conclusion, right? In the session. And that's normally the conclusion of every session is it's not really about other people's opinions anyway. It's about your own opinions, but by projecting your own opinions of yourself onto other people, you're creating this like war that you have to overcome and you have to be a strong person by not caring what other people think. And it's like, they're not thinking about you. The whole <laughs> premise is flawed. It doesn't exist. Should we make t-shirts that says nobody thinks about you? (laughs) I know. That's why I was like, oh God, is this too intense? I was like, this is, damn, this is a lot to swallow. Because I'm not trying to say that you're not special. There are people who think about you, but the people who think about you love you. Yes. So the the thoughts aren't inherently negative. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, when you were like, oh yeah, I got some tough love, like light bulb moments. I, I don't, I don't think that that was like super tough. Like. That was good. That was like, well, we all want, we're all the main characters of our own lives. And so we want to believe that what we do matters and that what we do is impressive and that other people admire us. Maybe that's just a three talking, but I mean, that is, I think a core thing for a lot of people. I think we want to be admired for different reasons, but it is a blow to the ego to be like, no one really admires you because they're not thinking about you. Like yeah. if they're asked the question, then I guess they're forced to think about it. And it's like, yeah, yeah. You know what? She is really funny and she is really smart, but they're not like popping popcorn on a Wednesday night and be like, let's think about Callie Rogers and how great she is. Let's just like sit around and talk about her for 30 minutes. I mean, that doesn't happen. <laughs> I love that. You're Nobody so Nobody right. cares about me. <laughs> care about you. Right. I mean, I've had this, I think I've had this brewing for a while and I couldn't articulate what it was that drove me crazy about that phrase. Learn not to care what other people think about you. Like, I don't give a shit what other people think about me. Like, I'm so great because I don't, I don't give a fuck. I'm like, that's no, that's not it. (laughs) Yeah. You're right. You're so right. I love that. I'm sure your client took that and Like, I feel like that's one of those like light bulb moments that changes the way that you think about situations and people and relationships. I mean, it was for me. I don't know. (laughs) Who knows? You never know how other people take this. Like we're all in different phases of our journeys. And I think if someone had told me that at my lowest, I might've been like, well, fuck you. No one thinks about you either. So, so, you know, as a life coach, as a counselor, we don't always strike when the iron's hot. We don't always find the perfect timing. But when a light bulb is there, like we have to turn it on. It's like an itch. We, yeah, you can't not, you can't not. 
And I actually think that some people need that like fire reality check under their ass. You know, it's like, yeah. Some people, (laughs) not all people, we're not for everyone. Uh, but that's That's my sparkle. Just like I'm not thinking about Taylor Swift. No one is in turn thinking about me either. We are just all not thinking about our own fucking problems. Yeah. We're thinking about our own problems, which are vast and never ending. So I don't don't have time to think about you and your lack of a promotion. You know what? I mean, I think that that's, I always like, I used to be that person to be like, why is this person not texting me back? Like, why is this, you know, like, why does this person not want to have lunch with me today? Like what? And now that I'm like actually working and I have relationships and I have friendships and I have fucking life and shit's going on. I have dogs that weigh 71 pounds. Hi, Millie girl, like so big, but it's like, sometimes things are just too busy and it's not about anybody else. It's just about your shit, your life, you know? Oh yeah. Marrying Andrew helped with that. I mean, he responds to like, 10% 10% of the text you receive. <laughs> I'm like, you like these people and you just don't respond. He's like, yeah, I didn't really get it. <laughs> so funny. I, I mean, that. to the point where people will be like, Hey, Andrew's not responding to me. I'm like, yeah, I'm the only person he responds to. So good luck with that. I'm not your messenger though. You figure it uh, out. That's hilarious. Ugh. Should I talk about my sparkle? Yes. I don't exactly know how I want to articulate this, but I know it's about social anxiety and I know that I have it. And I, it's like shocking to me because I feel like, I feel like I, and we've touched on this a couple of times, but I feel like I'm such a different person. Like I've honestly been reflecting a lot about how you were like, oh, do you think you're like a traditional person? And my first answer was like, yeah, I'm super traditional. And I've been thinking about it more. Like I used to be super traditional and I don't think that I've had I've had such an evolution in my life, like such a transformation. I haven't really had like a chance to like reflect on who I am now. And so I think I like answer questions, like how I would have answered back that like before. And so it's just interesting because I like totally, like when we did the MBTI assessment in grad school, like I was the most extroverted person in the class. And everybody was like, oh yeah, like that makes total sense. Like I was the first one to always raise my hand, always talking, like super extroverted. And now I feel like, and I don't know if it's a result of just like life and the shit that we've been through and the pandemic and just the world. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I'm trying to reflect on it. And I just, I, I love my home and I love my people and I just have literally no desire to like do social endeavors. I don't know why I'm like, you know, we traveled to Michigan and did Thanksgiving, which was like being around people all the time. And then it was like, I'm going to a wedding next weekend and I'm going to miss America. And like deep down, I'm just having all this anxiety and I don't know, like trying to figure out what it's about. And I really think it's about just like, being social, you know, and have, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's called trauma. Oh yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) I mean, when you go through trauma and you're fresh off trauma, the last thing you want to do is go talk to people and be like, yeah, I'm fine. Because that's, yeah. Because people are always like, especially if it's like new relationships, right? Like I feel like this recent season. Like we've been like trying to hang out with our neighbors and I'm like, you know, on the Miss Colleyville board and meeting new people and 
entering into dynamics that already existed, you know? And so it's like having to have, trying to establish a new relationship after you've experienced like the most traumatic year of your life. And people are like, so tell me about yourself. And I'm like, how much time do we have? And how many tissues do you got? Because it's like, I don't know. And then you feel like, you don't know if this person's like a safe person to like share things with. I don't know. It's just like, a, and then you're getting your head and then you start spiraling and you're like, I'm just going to shut up and be quiet. So I'm having like a lot of social anxiety, which is new for me. So I just want to normalize that for anybody who's listening, who also has social anxiety right now. Oh, I've had it for about 10 years. So really? Oh yeah. Easy. So I how, a, how do you, how do you like navigate that? I mean, I, I'm pretty selective about who is in my life and what I do. And I married um, an extrovert. See, that's, I also married an extrovert. And that's every time we go to something, I'm like, okay, so you, you, you're handling all the conversation. (laughs) Carl's like, yeah, don't I always, I'm like, good. Yeah. Once I'm there and I'm comfortable, I can get it. But you know, Andrew is not one to have deep conversations. I'm not saying he's not capable of it, but a lot of our friendships, especially in LA are about, you know, film and TV and pop culture and politics. And it's stuff where I can find those fun nuances to have a deeper conversation. But I would say half my friends in LA don't even know what I do for a living. Really? Genuinely. Yeah. And I mean, these are not close friends, obviously, but I kind of like it that way because then I am not forced to enter into a conversation. I fucking don't want to have with someone that frankly, I don't really know how they're going to respond to any of it. And I've been really let down by friends responses. And I'm realizing it's not, it's fine. I'm not mad at them. I'm, I'm just realizing, oh, it's not that kind of a relationship. And Mm -hmm. so having someone who's able to steer a conversation into really pleasant waters. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, we get riled up about the fact, like, seriously, you think King Richard is going to win best picture? Like, I don't fucking think so. You know, I think West Side Story is going to take it. You think West Side Story is going to, you haven't even seen it yet. I mean, those are our conversations. I love that. (laughs) And they're fun and they're lighthearted and they're easy. I have my tough, uncomfortable, vulnerable conversations with people where I am not concerned about their reaction or their responses that has helped my social anxiety big time realizing not every relationship you have to have needs to be super authentic Mm. I'm not saying that I'm being inauthentic when I show up to social gatherings but I'm not forced to go someplace that I don't feel comfortable going yeah I've never thought of it like that like I feel like I your, I guess your relationships, I guess for me, I'm like, I only want relationships in my life that are super, like, I feel safe with and genuine. And it's like an open book. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like more surface level relationships are like, what's the point? I don't know. Do you ever feel like that? Yeah. I used to feel like that too. I used to be like, well, if I can't show up as my full self and give my best, then what's the point? And I've realized the point is just entertainment. The point is just fun. It can be really fun talking about surface level things. In fact, I have a blast talking about what's going to win best picture in fucking December and the Oscars are in February. And we've been having this conversation since October. Like it's fun. It's fun being able to talk about pickleball and play with other players and learn how to get better. It's fun talking about politics. Sometimes it's, you know, it can be 
invigorating and interesting to do that. And what I'm realizing is I don't have to show up as my best authentic, vulnerable self in every situation. And the second I realize that when someone says, how are things going? I don't have to be like, I'm infertile. How are you? (laughs) I don't have to say that. Yeah. It's none of their business. And frankly, like I don't owe them that. Yeah. I can say everything's good. Hey, have you seen Spencer yet? Andrew got up in the middle of it and went shopping in Trader Joe's. That's how much he liked it. Like that's, I mean, you know what I mean? Like it can be really entertaining and I don't feel like I'm stretching myself because that's what happens. I get social anxiety when I put pressure on myself to be my authentic, vulnerable, normal self Mm. to everybody. And frankly, like not everyone's owed that and you can't punish people for not being your person. There's a reason your people are so few and far between and you have to hold on to them for dear life. But then if those are the only people you're going to socialize with, like you're not going to have that much fun. Yeah. No, that's (laughs) a good point. I mean, not to say that you don't have fun with your authentic friends. I don't mean that, but like my authentic friends don't live in LA. So what am I supposed to do? Move back to Texas and live (laughs) on a farm. I am not living on a farm. Callie and I get in this argument. It's not even an argument, but I'm just like, that's my dream. And that's literally Callie's worst nightmare. It smells. I know, but they're cute. No, they're not. I mean, they're cute, but like from a distance or like in a painting or in a photo. Yeah. You know what? Actually, like we went to look at like land and we were like in a field with like fucking huge ass cows and they smelt like shit and they had flies swarming all around them and they were drooling and they were like ma and I just was like this sounded really cool like on Yellowstone you know and like looked really cool on Yellowstone and I'm like am I like I like animals but like am I the type of person to like put on clothes and boots and go shovel shit. I don't, I'm not sure about that. I mean, the answer is no. like, I feel like we're in the middle of your self-discovery phase because you on a farm is just so confusing to me. And I think we need to process that because every time you say it, I'm like, but like you do realize like Trader Joe's is going to be like an hour away. Like, are you I know. ready for that? Like, no, I'm not okay I just, that. I just like, I'm, I'm like really into Yellowstone. And I think that that's like, really- then watch it on TV and then turn it off and live your life. I can't, I can't like disassociate from like movies I mean- and shows. I'm like, I get fixated on something and I'm like, this will be my life. This is happening. I will be on Yellowstone. I mean, I loved the movie Avatar more than life itself, but I didn't paint my skin blue. (laughs) That would have been great if you did. (laughs) Some codependency tendency. Okay, for everyone, and more specifically you, Elise, you need to watch, of course, me bringing it back to pop culture and TV and movies because that's the biggest, smallest farm, the biggest, littlest farm, the big, small farm. Fuck, I can't remember what it's called. Is it a documentary? Yes. Yeah. I I feel like that will shake the dream of anyone wanting to own a farm out of their little heads immediately. Ignorance is bliss. Oh God. No, not for me. I just cannot imagine anything worse. And not to say anyone listening who like lives on a farm is like, fuck you. It's just, you know, everyone, each their own, everyone has to know themselves. I'm just saying, Elise, you live in a world where you like to dye your hair amazing colors and you don't want roots showing. And I'm confused as to how this fits into your vision of shoveling shit with a bunch of cows. 
I don't even let, I mean, I don't even like cleaning up dog poop, honestly. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I need to reconsider my life. Let's get it. Let's do this division before I start contemplating everything. Okay. Okay. I'm going to read it. Let's go now. Dear Blush. So I'm in a bit of a pickle and could use your help on figuring out how to navigate my situation. My boyfriend and I have been dating for a little over a year. We met through a mutual friend and I hate to say it, but I wasn't sure I was that into him from the very beginning. Don't get me wrong. He's absolutely a stand-up guy, really close with his family, stable and successful career, good, solid friend group, and honestly, such a sweetheart. It definitely wasn't love at first sight, but I couldn't necessarily pick out anything wrong. So I decided to see where it would go. He is so nice and really considerate and respectful on paper. He looks great. But there's always been something in the back of my mind wondering if there was someone else out there in the world who would be better for me. After listening to the podcast where Callie, where Callie said, if you don't, you don't need to wait till you're 100% to, sh- to know you need to leave. I felt like that was a light bulb moment I needed. So I spent the next week mustering up the courage to have the conversation with him to end our relationship. And then his sister died unexpectedly in a car accident. Mm. It was so tragic and so horrible, and it seemed selfish and heartless to move forward with breaking up with him. His sister that passed was his only sister, so his mom has really attached herself to the relationship she has with me ever since, saying things like, I'm so glad you're a part of this family, and you can never leave us. And now I'm stuck, or at least it feels that way. It's been three months since his sister died, and things are still very raw, and they're very much still grieving. So I guess my question is, what the fuck do I do? I haven't changed my mind about wanting to leave the relationship, but am I horrible to do it now? Will I just add to their pain? Help from stuck. Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) Not good. Not good. I mean, I first just want to point out, like, did you see how much over explaining this particular entry did? I mean, she wanted us to know that there is nothing wrong. I mean, she goes on and on about how perfect this guy is, mm-hmm. which screams to me, shame and guilt. Yeah. Right. Like how, what's wrong with me that I can't be obsessed with someone who's so perfect. You know, what I, I, when I was reading this initially, I thought of our episode with Christina and the same, like the thing that kept replaying in my head was when she said, like, you don't have to have a reason to end a relationship. Right. Like, I think obviously our advice is going to be tailored and different because there's like another traumatic circumstance layered on top of this. But I think you're exactly right. The shame and the guilt about leaving a relationship that isn't, there isn't necessarily anything unhealthy or anything toxic or anything bad. You you don't have to have a reason to walk away from a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I think she's arrived at that conclusion. Yeah. Which is kind of cool that she arrived at it listening to this. That's, Mm. that's nice. So she, she got there and then stuff went sideways. So when I read this, it brought me back. So remember I, I wake up in the morning and read an advice column every morning. And I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I read Carolyn's responses and sometimes I kind of skim through them. Um, I, I, I like rapid fire ones better, which is funny because this podcast is like 24 hours long. Uh, but <laughs> there was an entry that made me think of this one. So I'm going to read it really quickly. So the question is, 
how should the holidays factor into when and whether to break up with someone? Really simple. Mm. So I understand this is not the same situation, but so she says, either you're the person who gets dumped on Thanksgiving, or you're the person who gets dumped the week after Thanksgiving and realizes the whole long holiday weekend with your schmoo, schmoo pie. What the fuck is Caroline saying with your sweetheart was a pity charade. There's no good answer. If you have a breakup coming, then think carefully about what you'd want and your soon to be ex would want before mm-hmm. deciding what day it arrives. See, but I feel, yes, I totally agree. But I think I'm putting myself, I'm putting myself in the shoes of her boyfriend, the letter writer's boyfriend. And I think like if Carl was going to leave me and then a family member died, I would want him to stick around until and support me through that and then leave. I think, see, I'm the opposite. I one, two things would happen for me. One, if someone stuck around with me out of pity, I would be furious. But how do you know it's out of pity? Like, it sounds like she does care about him and, you know, maybe not in the romantic sense, but if it is out of pity, it is out of pity. If the sister had not died, they'd be broken up straight up. They would not be together right now. This letter would not be written. But you're, but to me, that sounds like you're saying like that, nothing changes with the sister dying. Nothing changes about her feelings. Right. Her feelings are the same. Yeah, no, I yeah. understand. I understand that the situation is a little different and that, you know, you're saying that I would like for someone to stick with me and stick by me during this. I'm saying, I don't think I would because I would look back on them staying with me during my lowest point and being like, oh, so not only did that happen and it was horrible, but you were also lying to me that whole time. And yeah. the whole thing was, as Carolyn says, a charade. And now I have to deal with the fact that, you know, you, the whole thing was fake. Like that entire period of my life was fake. I it's, think, I think I, an- like, I would answer the, like, if it was an open conversation, like we already had the conversation and I got to choose whether you stayed or whether you left. Mm-hmm. That feels good to me. Yeah. I would just, I know that I would sit there and be like, fuck you. Like yeah. you're, you're pitying me. I'm a strong ass bitch. I'm going to get through this. And by yeah. the way, grief doesn't end. I'm not someone who's really experienced grief, but I've, you know, helped people who have been been around people. It doesn't, grief is not a thing that just, yeah. it starts and it ends like grief is forever. And yeah. so I understand that there is acute grief and there's chronic grief, but, and like they're in the very much acute stage right now, but you know, there's not going to be a time where he is not in pain over what happened. So just remember that. Yeah. And there's not going to be a time where the breakup's not going to fucking suck. Right. My second thing, and this is just me, but part of me, I think would have, if I, if I'm boyfriend and someone's about to break up with me after the worst thing just happened, it would kind of be a welcome distraction to feel anger instead of immense grief to be able to channel like, are you fucking serious? My family member just died. You're breaking up with me. You're the villain. You suck. And it's like, part of me, it's like, that is a nice thing to do to someone to like be the villain of the story to where someone can project all of this disgusting, emotional shit onto them and give them someone to be angry at. Because when someone dies in a freak accident, there's no one to be angry at. 
You can't be angry at the person who died. You can't be angry. Like there's no, there's no one to blame. It just happens. And you're sitting there trying to grasp on who you can be mad at. And then voila, your boyfriend who fell out of love with you doesn't want to be with you anymore. It's like, boom, perfect. I'm going to be mad at you and channel that anger. I'm not saying that's the most emotional, healthy thing to do, but I know myself and I would have, I, I know that I would love to like have something tangible to be like, fuck you. And then know that they're not with me out of pity to know that they had enough respect for me to say, yes, this is the worst time of her life, but she can handle it. I actually agree. I I really agree with you. And I think that that's like a really insightful thing to, cause when you're grieving, like grief is so, I mean, it's the fucking worst. It's, I can't even describe it, but I think, you know, being able to express anger would almost help in the grieving process. I think yeah, you know? that's what I'm saying. I mean, I could be wrong and someone listening might be like, no, you're wrong. No, I, I, I feel like I have like a parallel, not to the extent, but like, I feel like you, yeah, you went through trauma this year and that in, in turn involved grief, you were grieving and you, and that's the thing you're not done grieving Elise. You're going to be grieving yeah. for you know, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming this stuff like lessens over time, but it doesn't go away. Yeah. But we had an incident where I was really angry with someone. Remember, you know, this probably you were angry at a lot of people. I was angry at a lot of people, but (laughs) one in particular, I had like a falling out with someone. Yeah. But that was well-deserved. Right. But I, Oh, it helped. It helped. It helped. It, It was like a nice, when you're grieving, all you think about is the loss. And all you think about is like, what is not in your life anymore. And it's so heavy and it's so hard, but having that welcome distraction of like being like, fuck you, you're a piece of shit. And I fucking hate you. is actually, good. it is, it's a nice distraction. It's a nice way to channel these emotions, um, deserved or not deserved. Right. So, so stuck. I'm not trying to say that you're a villain, if you break up with this poor boy, who's just gone through hell and there's nothing wrong with him, but you're going to be the villain of his story. And that might actually be the nicest thing you could possibly do for him. But I think that stuck is going to have to have a very like secure identity in taking on having the awareness that you are going to be the villain in someone else's life, because I have a really difficult time when people are mad at me, or if I've done something wrong, or I'm, you know, the bad guy in a situation, like that's really hard for me to like sit with because I always, I feel like I just all needs to be good and well. So I think that you're going to have to like stuck is going to have to be okay. And it's going to be hard for sure. If she's anything like me, but Mm -hmm. be okay with knowing, like accepting the fact that you are going to be the bad guy in someone's story. Yeah. And, and sticking to your guns. I mean, I remember I broke up with someone and I don't think that their mom had cancer when I broke up with them, but like, maybe it came back right after. And so that was used as a tool to try and get me back. Like, Mm -hmm. how dare you leave me? My mother just got a cancer diagnosis you're leaving me. Like it was very much used as like a guilt method, which don't get me wrong. They were in so much pain and I'm sure it was scary. And I'm sure they did want me there to, to console them, but me being there for them, wasn't going to make the cancer go away. And it wasn't going to make this any easier. And it just would have 
like, honestly, I had already ripped this person's heart out. It's like, do you want a second go around? Cause I don't think that's helpful for either of us. Like, I'm not going to get back together with you because of this unfortunate incident and then stay with you forever. Yeah. Like I'm going to break up with you again. Yeah. I I mean, I I hate to put it like that, but like, I am, I already made the decision. I've already, I already checked in with myself and realized this wasn't working for me. Yeah. So I got to go. So, uh, you know, you are going to break up with this person. You're not going to marry them. It's going to end. And so I, I think I just have, this sounds weird, but I think I have too much respect for myself that if someone else didn't honor that it's insulting. Yeah. It's really insulting to me when I, you know, when people try and give me advice about, it's like, I'm handling it. I'm fucking handling it. Don't like, why are you looking at me? Like I can't handle it. You can tell me this sucks. You can tell me I'm there for you. You can ask if I need anything you can, you know, whatever, be there for me, but don't treat me like I can't handle something. Yeah. And that's kind of what you're doing. Yeah. If he's so great, why do you think he can't handle this? So maybe it's, maybe she's not thinking about whether or not he can handle it. Maybe she's thinking whether or not she can live with herself for doing it. Yeah. I think that's what's happening. She's saying, I don't want to take on the identity of being the bad guy when he's done nothing wrong. Mm, I empathize with that. It sucks. I mean, this whole thing sucks. I mean, either way, regardless, regardless of if you wait another three months, another six months or another three years, the outcome is going to be the same, which is what Callie just said. You know, it's like, there's no way around that. Your relationship is going to end. So it's like, you know, which consequence can you live with more? You know, I feel like, you break up now and he's going to, you're going to be the villain in his life or you break up later and you're still going to be the villain, but he might actually resent you more for not doing it when, Mm -hmm. because people can tell, right? Like you can tell when dynamics change between two people, when someone's getting distant, when someone's not into it anymore, like people aren't fucking stupid. Like, you know, You totally know. And can you imagine him sitting here reeling from the death of his sister, dealing with his mom who is completely fallen apart and then being like, oh, and to boot, my girlfriend's clearly not into me anymore, but I'm (gasps) holding on to this because it's the only constant I have in my life. Like, why would you do that to him? And look, I don't know this guy. I don't know this guy. He might be a little sweet teddy bear, like Elise. and might be like, no, stay with me. And you know, that might be the case. I don't know. I'm, I can only give the advice based on how I would feel because that's kind of what you're asking and how I would imagine, you know, I feel like Elise and I, for the most part, represent two trains of thought here. There's not really much else. It's like, do you want someone to stay with you and lie to you? Or do you want them to hurt you and be honest with you? Like, that's the choice here. Yeah. I'm saying hurt me and be honest with me. Elise is originally was like, maybe lie to me, (laughs) (laughs) but there's also nothing. There's, there's kind of a third option here, which I think is, I personally think this is bullshit, but I think you could find a hybrid version, which is just being honest and saying, I don't see this progressing any further. I love you, but I'm not in love with you. I don't see us getting married, but I know you're struggling. So do, you know, do you want me to stay with you? And do you want me to be here to support you emotionally? Or do you want us to start moving on? Mm, I like you that. Might, you might get an honest answer. I mean, it might be like, screw you and the horse you rode in on, like get the fuck out of my house. 
but it might also be, I really can't handle the fact that we would break up. So yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Personally, I wouldn't want to be given that choice. Would you? Yeah. No, I, I think I like the third option. I like that. I think giving him the option to be able to choose for himself, but I think communication is key here. Yeah. I wouldn't want that option. though. Is what I'm saying. Oh. I wouldn't want it. I, w- I would be like, are you serious? You're putting me in this position where I'm grieving. And now I have to choose about the future of our relationship. If I want to end it now, or if I want to end it in six months, like really, really, yeah. I personally would not want that. I am sticking true to what I would want, which is hurt me, but be honest with me so that I don't have to sit here and be like, this whole thing was a sham. Actually. Yeah. Shit. I keep going back and forth on this because it's such a hard situation, but I mean, I always, but we can have differing opinions on this. And I think that's helpful for someone like stuck to see the different reactions to things so that she, because the whole point of this is to, it's not about how I Callie would feel. It's not about how Elise would feel. It's about how is your boyfriend going to feel? This is all about him. It's not even about how you would feel stuck. Like, I don't really care if you're not willing to take on the identity as villain in his life, like tough shit. You got into a relationship with someone when you knew you shouldn't have first mistake. Mm -hmm. And then you let it ride on a second mistake. And then you waited too long and now something shitty happened and it's even worse. I mean, for you, the lesson here is never go against your instincts again. Yeah. That is a lesson to take away from this. Totally. I mean, she, it was clear from the very beginning that she wasn't sure about it. And she kind of just waltzed into it because it was convenient and casual and she wanted to see where it would go. But I think that's just a testament. Like your intuition never leads you in the wrong direction. It's just, you choose whether or not you listen to it or not. Mm-hmm. Amen. So I'm telling you, this sounds so harsh. I'm just on a roll today with my tough love, but like your feelings don't matter. Yeah, no, I think not in this situation. It's his feelings. Who is he? Is he someone that needs those cuddles and needs that security and isn't someone with that built up resilience? Or is he the person that you described here, which is like all of the things, stable, secure, successful. I mean, those are markers of someone who is emotionally resilient enough to handle this without needing someone to lie to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know him. I don't know him. Stuck is going to have to I mean, I think she's going to have to take all of this and really like decide for herself. But I think what we've come down to is like, she shouldn't be making this decision for what's going to be best for her. She should be making this decision for what's going to be best for him. Mm -hmm. And she's, I know that she might say, well, I've been making decisions based on what's best for him because he really liked me and he was into me and he asked me out and I've been acquiescing to all of these things, but it's like, now we can see that it was never about what was best for him. What, what was best for him was not dating him at all in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And what do we do about his mom though? Like is does nothing, she, nothing. No. I mean, you know, you have maybe a conversation with her afterwards, but she's not dating his mom. I mean, to me, you only, huh, maybe this is when marriage is actually different. You know, I've always been on this crusade that when you get married, nothing changes, but And I kind of, kind of believe that with the romantic aspect of the relationship, but you know, what does change is you do become part of someone's family. Yeah. And I do think you owe it to family members 
whenever a divorce is on the table to like work it out with family members and to clear the air and do that. But like they're dating, like, and the mom's grieving and she's not going to have a rational reaction to this anyway. And maybe the mom also needs someone to hate. So maybe two birds, one stone, you give both of them a villain. (sighs) Yeah. But like the reality of this situation, this is going to sound really harsh, but it's that you started again, dating someone you were in love with ripping him of the opportunity to date someone who was in love with him, who wouldn't want to leave him during the situation. Mm-hmm. That is a huge opportunity cost. Mm. Yeah. He deserves to be happy. And to, I think everybody deserves to be happy and to be with someone who genuinely wants to be with them. I mean, shit, I've had so many relationships where they didn't give a shit if it was me or some hoe from the club, you know, <laughs> from the club for real like yeah I've been in that situation too I mean there have been plenty of people where it's like swap me for a different blonde and I don't even think they would have noticed yeah plenty of people who were not into me for who I actually was and were into me for the social anxiety trauma response that I give people (laughs) (laughs) they're really into my Oscars hot takes uh so yeah, I'm not trying, like I am laying it on thick suck. I'm not trying to make you feel like total shit, but I'm also trying to not avoid the actual issue here for you. Yeah. This is the lesson you learn. You're the one writing us in. If boyfriend was writing us in, then I'd be, it'd be a completely different podcast and we would be focused on his feelings. But since you are the author, we owe you, uh, the duty to tell us what we think the lesson here is for you. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Don't fucking date people that you aren't in love with. <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. I agree. I think she's got to rip that bandaid off. I personally do too. Granted, we gave you other scenarios, which is maybe have the honest conversation and see what he thinks risky or then stick it out to where you're out of the uh, acute response of grief. And you're kind of in the more everyday chronic version of it. I don't know. I just, this is really just about him and who he is and what you, as Carolyn said, which I love that advice. It's what would you want as an individual? So be empathetic, right? Which is trying to put yourself in someone else's shoes. So live it out and you're them and see what you would want and then try to extrapolate that to what they would want. And then you have your answer. I know what I would want. Yeah. Yeah. You can can send him to blush too. Here, I'm breaking up with you, but here's a free life coaching. Oh yeah, that'll go over well. I'm sure he'd be really appreciative of that. Uh, Okay, do we have final thoughts for this one? I don't think so. I think my, pretty much my main thought throughout this whole thing is it's going to fucking suck and there's no way around that. So you just have to like take that for what it is and what it's going to be. Yeah, I think I'm just going to end on a congratulatory note, which is, you know, it seems like you're not a hundred percent sure that you want to end this relationship as you alluded to. And you just kind of realize that the spark and the passion and whatever there, you know, was missing. And it's tough to arrive at that conclusion. And a lot of people never arrive at it and then wonder why they hate their spouse 20 years later. So congrats that you took the time and didn't shy away from the reality of your situation where we know a lot of people can deny their way out of anything, myself included, by the way, I had a long history of sticking around 
I mean, way too long, way past yeah. the point where I needed to. And I was just lucky that I avoided these traumatic situations that you find yourself in. I never was confronted with, oh God, a family member died. Now you're stuck here forever. I mean, I got out of that just kind of scot-free and was really lucky in that sense. I mean, I still had to live with myself and realize, damn, I broke up with this person like a year late. That wasn't very nice. I wasted a year of that person's time and my own, frankly. Mm -hmm. I mean, not cool. And so I had to do some work to never arrive at that point again. But, you know, as someone who has identified those skills and have really tried to work on that, it's not easy. So I don't want to just you know, use you as a human punching bag and make you feel like shit. I mean, the process that you went through to arrive at this conclusion is tough and you did it. So Mm -hmm. at least give yourself credit for that. Ooh, I love and then on an empowering, encouraging note. Well, we needed to, otherwise we've been slapping this girl sideways for like 45 minutes. (laughs) Stuck was our biggest fan. Now she's like, fuck you guys. I know, but stuck, you needed to hear it. I know this entire podcast was probably painful um, from the start, which is nobody thinks or cares about you (laughs) to the finish, which is you fuck this all up and now it's really bad. I mean, sorry. Uh, Well, there's nowhere to go but up. Nowhere to go but up. What a nice final thought, Elise. I know it's from my favorite movie, Bridesmaids. I thought you were going to like give this like insightful film that like <laughs> won awards and you're like, it's bridesmaids. It's literally, I can quote the movie. She's sitting on the couch. She's like, well, there's nowhere to go up. <laughs> so good. I would like a glass of alcohol, please. Yeah. So on that note, let's uh, wrap this baby up. So if you are interested in hearing some tough love from us, please write into blush you at joinblush.com. I promise it'll be worth it. You basically get all this free, amazing wisdom just for you, but for other people's entertainment. So I think it's a win-win. And then remember that we also have promo code blush you all caps for 25% off your first month. Please rate us in the podcast Apple store. We still don't know what it's called, but five stars, that would be lovely. And we, it'll be our Christmas present. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back soon. We're probably going to take a break for the holidays. So don't get mad at us if, uh, we go dark for a little bit. And apparently, like, I don't know if this is like the end of season one. Like, I don't even know if we're going to do seasons. Like, I think we're just going to keep going until we don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. I like that plan, but keep writing in because I feel like the holidays are always like times where shit gets a little Craig cry. So we want to hear. Oh, yeah. We normally like pull from our arsenal. So we'll like get letters and like in the beginning a lot, we had a ton and we could like sort through them and then find the right one for the right week. But we're kind of reaching the bottom of our barrel. So meaning if you write in, you're probably going to hear your episode sooner rather than later. So there's not going to be a huge delay. So I definitely recommend writing into us. Remember the more details, the better. If you write us like a really short paragraph with not a lot of details, it's just like, we don't have much to work with. So we can't really record those. So like this one wasn't a novel, but it was enough information for us to, you know, beat her over the head with a truth bomb, which was I'm sure she appreciated. Uh, so yeah, write, write us, please. please We love you. Okay. See you next time. Bye.